Real Life SEO with Emma Russell. This week, we continue our podcast series with Emma Russell. Welcome to Real Life SEO, the podcast where we seek to share what SEO specialists do in their day-to-day work and delve into their specific specializations, from content to international SEO to technical SEO and more. Today, we're chatting with Emma Russell about everything e-commerce SEO. This podcast is brought to you by Oncrawl. Hey, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Real Life SEO podcast. Today's episode is going to be a mix of e-commerce SEO strategy and a little bit about in-agency SEO. Joining me is the brilliant Emma Russell, who is the founder of Oxford Comma. Thanks for joining me today, Emma. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. And before we get started, I always like to ask if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and how you got started in the industry. Cool. Um, So a little bit about myself. Um, As you said, uh, hi, I'm Emma Russell. I'm an SEO. I specialize in e-commerce. I've done other things as well, but Mm -hmm. um, e-commerce predominantly. Um, I started agency side and then moved in-house and now I'm back agency side. Um, I have knitting as a hobby, uh, which is extremely lame, but I enjoy (laughs) it, so so it's fine. Um, I'm currently, I don't have it with me, so I can't show you, but I'm currently working on a multicolored sweater for my niece, which is pink, purple, yellow, orange. It's very cute. Um, Yeah, that's that's, that's me in a nutshell. Um, I never really know what to say in introductions. (laughs) I'm here. That was a good one. Well, how did you get started in the SEO industry? Good question. Um, So I went to Nottingham University and I did history of art. So super closely related, I know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I got an internship uh, at a heritage consultancy called Culture Syndicates. Mm -hmm. Um, So Nottingham University have something called the Nottingham Advantage Award. And they have loads of other schemes that are geared towards keeping students in the town and in work and getting them employed which is really good it's actually a really good university for that um mm-hmm. so if anybody listening is currently a student at nottingham university definitely check it out because they're funded you get paid it's fantastic um they should pay me to <laughs> rep for them um, <laughs> so i did one of those um and it was at a, a heritage consultancy and i was there doing marketing so i did lots of different things from surveys to um, writing content on the website and i discovered seo through there Mm -hmm. Um, I then did another scheme, so another internship scheme through the University of Nottingham, and that was a a local um, digital agency called Distinction. And that's when I was doing digital marketing full on. So uh, Mm -hmm. it wasn't uh, marketing as a whole, it was just digital marketing. So we did um, content writing again and paid ads and SEO and also um, things like QA because it was was a... um, a web design and development agency first and foremost and there was one I think actually no two two marketers when I joined and and a cohort of other interns and now it's a a bigger remit at the company um Mm -hmm. so that's that's how I got started and and from there they gave me my first job and that's when I started my career okay what was it that you liked so much why did you choose to stay well, I wouldn't have chosen. I wouldn't have chosen ads <laughs> if I was just doing that. I'd have probably roamed around a little, found something else. Um, but I really like SEO. I like how you get to delve in and investigate things. You're like a detective, and mm-hmm. 
Um, I do like the more technical side of things as well. So it was nice getting involved with web development from the start, like setting out how the user journey should look with UX designers and things like that and factoring in SEO into that. Um, so seeing it from inception to the end was mm -hmm. was really cool and fulfilling. Okay. And when you got started, did you find it frustrating having to kind of dig and search and learn? Or was that really kind of something that you enjoyed a lot? Because I know when you get started in SEO, there can be a steep learning curve and it's so vast that there's so much to learn. Is that something that you found frustrating or it's what drives you? I think the timing that I got into SEO is quite an important factor in that because I I know people who have shifted and changed their careers into SEO and I think from there is quite a steep learning curve especially if you need to think about salary expectations and perhaps go in a relatively high level mm -hmm. um, or perhaps higher than you would like but because I started in an internship they expected me to know absolutely nothing Okay. They expected me to just be <laughs> learning. Um, and so because that expectation was so low, <laughs> it made it a lot easier. Um, and so I think uh, it would be, I, I, I mean, I've, I've shifted as well. Like I did a brief stint as like part SEO, part um, customer success uh, mm -hmm. manager okay. at um, a company called Merch Stack, a SaaS tool. Um, and I was still and SEO at the same time, I was I was freelance, so I was doing both. Um, and it is tough to learn when you're going in at, at that level, like the, the learning curve is, is really quite a barrier. Um, mm -hmm. But I think now whenever I encounter people who are starting in SEO and they're perhaps feeling a little bit lost and they're really feeling that learning curve, like it's totally normal. I mean, when I think back to, <clears throat> excuse me, when I think back to how long it took me to feel comfortable as an SEO, it took a really long time. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, pretty much everybody has imposter syndrome. Right. Um, so I think it's natural to to feel that way. It's totally normal. I think if you don't, like, well done, <laughs> because <laughs> cause I think it, it would get, most most folks to to feel that learning curve feel imposter syndrome at that point but yeah so I think the timing is probably quite important like straight out of university nobody expects you to know anything or they they shouldn't anyway okay. <laughs> so yeah and how long have you been working at SEO now oh you know what I looked on my LinkedIn the other day I think it's eight <laughs> nine years okay that's a substantial yeah. amount of time yeah yeah, it's a decent amount of time. Been in the industry a while now. And so you said previously that you've done a bit of in-house SEO agency. You've you've mixed the two. And currently you have started your own agency not long ago. Mm -hmm. What was the motivation to do that? I know that there are people where they just love one or the other. They love being in-house or they love agency side. I'm pretty happy anywhere. Um, <clears throat> but I wanted to build something for myself and I'd just um, left being managing director at another agency. So mm -hmm. the barrier to entry was pretty low because uh, okay. I knew what I was doing already. So I decided to go for it. I really enjoy it. So it wasn't like I was weighing up, you know, maybe starting an e-commerce site or anything like that. Like I haven't mm -hmm. ever really thought about doing that. I just, I just knew that I wanted to, to create an agency for myself. And that actually goes back to university days where 
you know, I had a couple of internships um, under my belt and I was thinking, well, where is this going? What do I want? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the options was to eventually start an agency. And that notion gets, you know, buffeted around as your career continues, you go in-house, you experience those different things and perhaps your goal changes slightly, but it kind of always came back to starting an agency. So it was just the right time. I, mm-hmm. I knew for a while that I wanted to do it whether it was in five or 10 years or now. Um, so I just decided to, to go for it. Okay. And so there was no fear. A lot of people are usually a bit hesitant about starting <laughs> something on their own. It seems like you dove in feet first. I did. Yeah, I did. Um, oh, that's awesome. But I think that, that fear is kind of natural and perhaps I should have been more scared. <laughs> but I, I knew I had a good network of people and and a lot of people were saying, no, you should absolutely go for it. And my parents, when I told them, they were so happy, which I wasn't expecting um, because I was, you know, it's a risk. I was expecting them to be like, oh, no, are you sure? Oh. Uh, but no, they weren't like that at all. They were like, yes, Emma. So <laughs> oh, that was great. Nice. Yeah, really supportive. Um, and I just thought, yeah, now's the time. Let's do it. Okay. And do you find anything particularly challenging about that, about what you're doing now? Yes. Um, so there's definitely, I mean, me personally, I don't know if other founders feel this way, like uh, whether they're agency side or not, but your mood will go up and down depending on how well the business is doing, depending on if you're reaching your goals. There's a lot of, um, there, there's a, there are still a lot of things that are outside of your control. Your business is only as good as, you know, as long as you have business coming in. Um, so I've been very lucky in that I'm totally stable now. It's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but I think, you know, be if, if you are looking to start an agency or something like that, you know, be be prepared that, you know, there are twists and turns you might have. You might go into it expecting that perhaps somebody is going to be supporting you. They might change their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to be prepared for downtimes. Um, and also, I think just lean into the good times as well. Like when you get a client, you know, make sure you celebrate with your team and like celebrate them and all of work, the work that they're putting in. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely the control aspect. Um, why I think, you know, people might want to, to start an agency. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, it's like, it's like anything really, there's good and bad with it. So right. it's fine. But that's the only thing really that I found challenging I think there are definitely other challenges with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, as I said, because I, I kind of prepped quite a lot for it and I had the managing director role before, mm-hmm. I'd kind of experienced those challenges before. So I'd, I'd overcome them already. If you want to start an agency, mm-hmm. think about the steps to do it. Think about what you might find difficult. See if you can find a mentor, somebody who's done it before. Make sure you have a support network um, because there will be challenges if you've not been in that position before. So. Okay. And as you mentioned, the mentor, this is usually one of the later questions that I ask, but I figure I'll jump right into it right now. We linked up through the Women in Tech SEO community. Uh, And I know that's um, a great place to find a mentor. Is there anyone that is your mentor that inspires you that, you know, kind of motivates how you do things or, or that drives you? I worked previously at a company called House of Fraser. Uh um, And it was there that I met a person, Hannah, and she started that I was at previously um, where I was head of SEO then SEO director and then manager director um, and that progression probably would never have happened if it 
it, what if it weren't for Hannah um like she really uh put me in the position where that was possible for me mm-hmm. um and she just really knows her stuff about SEO she's a great e-commerce SEO um there's also somebody who I've recently started talking to called Sam Torres she works at the gray dot company and she's my mentor through the women in tech SEO scheme um and she's fantastic mm-hmm. we've had one session and I was like oh my god bang down you're fantastic <laughs> like you'll be my mentor um and a reach honestly just um as a role model more than a mentor um she's just so supportive of everybody okay and so that transitions us very nicely into wanting to talk a little bit about e-commerce seo and so you said that you have a couple of mentors how did you decide e-commerce was what you wanted to do I just really love the kinds of things that you can do mm-hmm. because I mean there's SEO the foundations of SEO that are the same on every site you know B2B e-com whatever you're in mm-hmm. um but with e-commerce there's just there's just really fun things that you can do mm-hmm. and there's challenges as well that you don't experience on other sites like sometimes if you're working on a large e-commerce site you really have to have to struggle with the crawling you've got to get the right tech in you've got to be looking at the right things got to be prioritizing the right things but it also means that you can leverage different tactics like mm-hmm. really robust in linking strategies mm-hmm. things like that or indexing deeper into the site you start looking at um crawl budget as an issue and optimizing that like it's just i just it's just really fun <laughs> <laughs> and elaborating a little on that what differentiates an e-commerce SEO strategy from a regular SEO strategy. Cool. So you've got to think about how to best showcase your products and create a really, really, really good purchasing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know creating a great experience is, is the same on every site, but you get to play with indexing strategies. So things like um, if I've got all of my different attribute types, so for example, color in a left-hand nav or um, up the top in a in a drop-down mm-hmm. on a on a product listing page, um, do I also want to explore other uh, attribute types, other attribute values within there? Um, sometimes you find some shocking things like um, um, there you'll you'll find under color things like midnight um, or noir, if, even if you're not in France um, mm-hmm. because then you've got a liaise with the merchandising team and how they're um, attributing products and how that actually leads to uh, an on-site experience that can be slightly confusing. Um, so you've got to deal with um, a few issues <laughs> that are, are fairly common. Um, there's a lot of research uh, into the opportunity and people get more and more granular with how they're searching. Their expectations are a little bit more different now. Um, and I think with um, with not necessarily recessions, but definitely like climbing prices, inflation issues, um, mm-hmm. um, struggles with um, being able to afford certain things. I think people are more specific in how they're searching. I think I saw a study the other day on how people shop during a recession. It was essentially saying like people are a bit more specific. They do more research, but they mm-hmm. actually tend to um buy a similar amount if you give them a great experience they'll stick with you and it, it won't necessarily impact your bottom line um so that's really interesting um 
but yeah playing with indexing strategies so how much you want to index how much you don't want to index and then the controls around that and that can get super messy um mm-hmm. it sounds like basically a like mess <laughs> <laughs> um but then if you're um not the the brand selling if you like if 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 it's something like house fraser where you have lots of different brands then you can also um play around with curation best of or like a nautical theme um things like that so it can get exciting you can play around a little bit more and and create lots of different things um Mm. i i think that's cool like the ideas behind it i really enjoy that okay and speaking about being in a recession has it been interesting to see because i know that the e-commerce industry you know kind of had a big boom during covid and when everybody was kind of confined or quarantined you know a lot of people were left with buying things online and it kind of saw a, a big uptick and now that we're heading into a recession what has it been to kind of see that difference between you know how has it been to manage seo seeing such a huge uptick in e-commerce during one period and then drastically going into kind of a recession now it's tricky that's for sure because i mean i remember working on one site and emailing the client at the time being like this SERP is completely different now um and we're gonna have to monitor this to see how it changes like you don't have the local pack for example like there's no map or anything um and just be prepared that though you're seeing increases in demand, you're also seeing a very different SERP um, because Google's changing what it shows um, to to cater for what people are actually looking for. Um, And so not only do we have to think about the demand changing after the fact, but we have to think about how this SERP is going to change and you are going to drop positions because these things are going to be reintroduced again and just prepare for what it's going to look like after. Um, I think that's a really difficult thing to communicate um, because people don't want to people don't want to have an expected drop um, or you know people don't want to face that yeah it's just different now and, and perhaps we should have invested a little bit differently um, but I think you know a lot of a lot of in-house brands did just accept it it was just very different um, but uh, yeah it is a very difficult thing to communicate like yeah, we're down on the year, but we're up on the month. You know, we're still seeing mm-hmm. and this is expected. Um, I think a lot of people had trouble um, communicating that with with different people, whether they're in-house or, or agency side. Okay, and as you're working in an agency, I'm assuming you work with a number of different clients. Is it all e-commerce or do you have, do you focus on different? industries no um so we focus on different industries um i think there's there's one client that isn't e-commerce but the tactics that you use are very similar so they would have um like an activities listing page instead of a product listing page for example um so it's 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 quite similar one's b2b yeah in fact two two b2b um and that's the three clients that we have since launching december so and it's now February. Okay. And this was kind of a two-part question. And so in dealing with all of your clients, how do you generally manage expectations management? Because I know a lot of people who don't necessarily work in the industry think, you know, once they implement an SEO strategy, they expect to see results right away. How do you deal with Mm -hmm. that when you're dealing with your clients? 
communication 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 <laughs> I mean you can never have too much I mean obviously you can get annoying but um I think I mean right at the beginning uh we'll we'll tend to do like a performance analysis so where you are now what you've experienced if you've been impacted by any updates or, or COVID for example um changes in expectations stuff like that and then what the opportunity size is mm -hmm. um so right from the start we'll say if it's realistic um to see a lot of growth or realistic to just tick along um or you know get get a little bit there's usually i mean i've never experienced a site where there isn't an opportunity for growth mm -hmm. it's just the scale of that growth um so we tend to tackle that right at the beginning and what kpis do you usually use for tracking kind of success particularly e-commerce success conversions okay predominantly conversions um it kind of does depend though um on what the company goal is because mm -hmm. sometimes and this is pretty rare but sometimes you'll go into a business and um for example one i worked with recently which was in the probiotics and vitamin space their overall business goal for uh, that they set out for marketing was to and i quote support her overall wellness journey so it wasn't just about conversions and in in, in that case we decided mm -hmm. to pick out a few different kpis um and i think traffic was is almost always one um but you know sometimes sometimes quantifying supporting an overall wellness journey can be a little bit difficult um, mm -hmm. but like the classic one is is conversions but we we always align it to the business goal because otherwise you know what's the point right and with your experience working in agency or you know in your previous positions is there a favorite e-commerce success story that you have that you could share very good question <laughs> very good question um yeah i mean i really liked i don't know if i can say it but it was um a coffee subscription company um and we got them ranking for the word coffee <laughs> so that was pretty good oh, wow. <clears throat> um didn't bring in that many conversions really because it's quite an informational SERP. um uh but it, it kind of wasn't the aim like we we kept an eye on it and we knew that we were doing all right there mm -hmm. um, but we were focusing on other things things that are a bit more transactional focused and, and information on they were like a really ethical company they um they decided not to be fair trade because fair trade there was a cap on what mm -hmm. you could pay them so they had direct partnerships with coffee growers and they would pay like three four five ten times the amount that you could pay them if you were um working with um a fair trade framework um so we would um do educational pieces and things like that so we were focused elsewhere and then because of all of the work and like the technical work we we noticed one day we were like oh my god <laughs> ranking first for coffee <laughs> i don't know if they're still there um this is in my previous role and it was um i think it was like just off the back of covid or during covid um uh -huh. but yeah that was pretty cool <laughs> we got them ranking pretty well um yeah i'd say i'd say they were excess um a success we we got a lot more traffic for them um i mean they were doing they were doing kind of well the numbers were a little bit low when we started with them i think they were in like the low thousands each month mm -hmm. but it was quite a lot more when when i eventually left that role so okay and you said you focused on educational pieces does that mean that it had the site had a blog as well 
Yes, it did. Yeah. Um, and also things like recipes, brew guides, things like that. So, you know, what makes a really good cup of coffee and, and why we're doing it, that kind of thing. Do you think it's essential or important to attach a blog to an e-commerce site? Good question. I think that it depends on the opportunities available to you in what you can write about. So say, for example, if you are the brand um, and you are, say, for example, um, let's think of an example, uh, <laughs> um, North Face, you're the North Face website and you're selling North Face clothing. Mm -hmm. You can't really then go after more transactional topics if it's things like the best outdoors coat for mountaineering because it's not going to rank, like you're not going to do well for that. So I think it's worth being uh, realistic with the types of content that you create, you can create and what the ultimate goal is. So if it is transactions, it's worth being aware of of how you can bring users in through content and and actually gain conversions on that if you can perfect like go for it um but i think they think any any website um where, whether you're selling a service or a product um support people who are using that product or who want to buy that product um as much as possible um and you can do that through blog content support guides you know videos anything like that um but i think that's actually really important um but otherwise it's it kind of depends on the strategy depends what you can do what you can compete for i don't think it's a must um mm -hmm. but I, I do think you should be supporting them whether that's a blog or, or or um supporting guides like um documentation on how to do a certain thing with a product and, and things like that like if it's skincare Oh, you need to you need to give a lot of information. People have allergies, like you need to at least give the ingredients um and like how to use it. And with your work, how involved do you and your team get? Do you, if uh for say example, um North Face wants to write about something and they decide they want to start a blog, are you there to support them in terms of developing that content strategy? Do you develop the content for them? How involved do you get? as involved as possible okay. i think it's really important though to have somebody on the team whether that comes from us or it comes from them who is a product matter expert um or a subject matter expert mm -hmm. um because or um time given to become that um because otherwise you're just kind of like throwing stuff out into the ether and you know you need to actually provide serious value especially if it's on the North Face site. I think an SEO should be involved from the design of the blog, from blog writing to strategy to ev everything. Like an SEO can get involved in anything. It's just depending on the focus, whether it's UX or a featured snippet and how to get that, or if this is even something that SEOs should focus on. If it's just something for a brand piece, do the brand piece will support wherever. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I think that um I think SEO should be involved and know when not to be involved and when mm -hmm. <laughs> know when not to block something. Um, but yeah, I mean, we would want to get as involved as possible. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I imagine it must be tough finding the balance of wanting to be involved, but you know, also letting the company participate in their in their strategy <laughs> and knowing yeah, how to <laughs> knowing yeah, how to I find mean, that balance. Yeah, I mean, the aim the aim would be to be as integrated as possible work as a team rather than be like do this <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. And completely, well, not unrelated, but different. Um, how do you manage duplicate content for an e-commerce site? That's a good question. I think it kind of depends on how you're qualifying the duplicate content, because if you have a blog piece on a subject and you also have a PLP, um, and let's say, I don't know, um, some other landing page, if you look at the SERP and it's quite mixed in terms of, in, then I would maybe think twice before doing anything. You know, maybe I would actually create an in-linking strategy between the two um, or blend the pages maybe I'm not entirely sure but I think I think some duplicate content isn't always duplicate content um, and it's it's fine to focus on a topic in multiple different ways um, to, to cater for those different intents but if you've got like two blogs where it's on the same subject and it's written pretty similarly then you know just just make one page redirect to the one that's better um i think in some cases it's very clear cut on what you should do i'm always hesitant to move pages on a site because i think sometimes there's the immediate issue that it might fix or be less messy i think seos don't like mess they like order um, and sometimes that mess is actually quite useful to somebody um, so i always hesitate to remove content i don't really like doing that um, but sometimes you, you know you gotta gotta cut it out. Like um, I think uh, also on the coffee subscription website, when we first started working with them, there was something to do with how to tell if an egg is fresh or something like that. I don't know. They were ranking for the term fresh egg, which I thought was really bizarre. Okay. So yeah, we definitely got rid of that one. <laughs> was, is there a link with know. coffee? <laughs> Pardon? Uh, is there a link between fresh eggs and coffee? I don't think so. I don't think okay. so. It was really bizarre. I don't know how it got on there. Um, but anyway, yeah, we got rid of that one. Not duplicate content, but an example of when you probably want to clean something up. Um, right. So yeah, that's duplicate content. Do you have, in general, any tips or best practices for e-commerce SEO? It could be about you know duplicate content or product management or working with um, CMS like Shopify, what are some of your tips or best practices? Alrighty. I mean, <laughs> the first thing, <laughs> the first thing I look for is to see if they are reaching the potential that they could. I think, you know, if, if we're, if we're talking about an indexing strategy with indexing, like, um, let's say you've got a site on Shopify and it you 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 have a category for black trousers or black and white trousers or something like that it's worth being aware that you would benefit from the demand um and i think you know i mentioned before this is the first thing that i would look at making sure that you're you're matching that demand but also looking at the issues that can also come from that so if you were to do it how would you do it um uh, my recommendation would be to create categories um but then with creating collections you have all of your products in there and then you have loads of duplicate product urls so it's just making sure you're dealing with those in the right way um, i think seo is almost too complicated to have best practices for, <laughs> for e-commerce sites but i think yeah I, I stick with my first point making sure that you are catering to the demand that exists you know living up to the opportunity that exists like just 
just go for it but um be careful about it <laughs> right or you could have stuck with the very general seo answer it depends <laughs> it depends a classic <laughs> works every time <laughs> absolutely and a bit of a segue you'll be speaking at the upcoming brighton seo i saw is will you yes. be speaking about e-commerce or something else <laughs> uh, e-commerce will come into it but i'm actually talking about cognitive load and whenever i whenever i say okay. it I'm like what um, which is fair <laughs> enough um <laughs> i think i think what i'm gonna have to do before um before brighton seo is put out a blog post or something on linkedin and twitter and be like why am i talking about this like <laughs> what is it why is it important just so people attend um but yeah i was kind of surprised when i was invited to speak i was like is this not a little bit niche i mean thank you but <laughs> i was kind of surprised um but yeah no cog cognitive load is a really interesting thing it links to memory how we pass data um and how people react behave after seeing a um a, a product listing page or um, activities listing page any listing page um where the images are simple versus how they are if they're a bit more complex and what they found was that um people react much more um in the way that that somebody running running an e-commerce website would, would want them to react um if the images are simple versus complex um, which kind of makes sense when you think about it, but it's all to do with how your brain reacts to seeing a complicated image and it essentially takes longer for you to process it and therefore you're a bit grumpier about it at a very, <laughs> very subconscious level. Um, and apparently as humans, we crave easy loading basically, which which makes a lot of sense. And they found that transactions increased and things like that. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna be taking that knowledge to a site that I'm working on at the moment um, where the images come from um, the activity providers um, and so you don't have as much control, but you can give recommendations to them on what makes a good image. Um, and all of the images that they have now are very complex, um, like a like a collage or, or things like that of of kids at play and, and stuff like that. So it's a, it makes for a very complicated visually um, listing page. <clears throat> so it doesn't. There's just more to pass, and it, it's a lot easier to see a um, a simpler image. Um, and so just making it super super simple easy to scan um it all comes under cognitive load and, and how fast you can you can understand things it's really interesting yeah, <laughs> if you say the word cognitive load it's like snore fest <laughs> <laughs> no i'm sure it's going to be great have you done that before have you spoken at conferences before mm -mm. no so i mean well i've spoken at conferences i haven't spoken on that topic so completely okay. new topic okay i'll be curious to, to hear that <laughs> Are you going? Uh, uh, I won't be there, but we can check them out afterwards. <laughs> cool, gotcha. Um, and okay, so changing now, we've talked. I've, I think I've asked you all my questions about e-commerce for the time being. But in general, I kind of like to end a little more on advice, future SEO community type questions. What do you think your goal is for your company in the next five, ten? I don't know how many years. That is a great question. I've said that for all of your questions. Great questions all around. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, so I think scale at the moment, you know, we need to grow. There's 
not just myself there's somebody called Chloe, jazz miles um and you know we want more clients we want um to be getting involved with more product and um, projects rather um so the first goal is scale um and i think that the goal is over the long term finding out how much we want to scale um mm -hmm. so what's the stopping point how big do we actually want to grow because i've grown a company to a certain size um, and I want to grow beyond that, but having not experienced scaling a company to the tens of millions, like I don't know if I'll like that. So mm -hmm. it's being very um, cognizant of how things are changing um, and, and how we like scale as a company and how we deal with scale as a company. I think that you can unlock quite a lot with scale. So I am keen to to do that. And when I say unlock things, I mean, you can support people in your company much more. Um, like say, for example, if you grow to a certain size and you have an office, then you can have a crash. But if you're a distributed network of people, you don't have an office or you're, you just don't that scale, then you're less able to support in that area. I'm very keen mm -hmm. on um, negating current issues that women have um, or you know, people who, who've had children or um, foster, adopt, anything like that in getting back into the workplace um, because there are so many gaps in support from the government and things like that. And I think that using the company that I create, I know that I can alleviate that to a certain extent, but we have to unlock scale to be able to do it. Um, so I think that finding a size that works for us as a company that allows us to work on initiatives like that um but also not growing so big that you know it can it can become uncaring and we can lose that vision you know i think it's a delicate balance so finding that uh is going to be very important wow i really like that answer that's a very reasonable oh, well thought <laughs> out now it was great i'm, I'm very impressed <laughs> I've thought about it a lot recently because my mentor, um, Sam Torres from the Grey Dot Company, she said, Emma, think about the scale that you want to get to. <clears throat> and I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. <clears throat> Sorry, that's a, that's a great funny. answer. Yeah. And speaking of mentors, is there any advice you've received that you would like to share or better better way to phrase this question? What's the best piece of advice you've received? Wow, <laughs> I've received some really good advice. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to pick. Um, I think move towards the career that you want to have. Um, and when I say that, I mean you don't have to. You don't have to climb a ladder if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. You know, have the life, have the have a career in the life that you want to have. You know, think about the whole. I think I think that it can be so easy to be almost swept up in promotions and more and more and more um but it can end up being less and less and less in other aspects of your life um so i think just looking at the whole is is really important um and if you do want to put a lot of extra time into your career just make sure you're looking after yourself um i think that's that's some really good advice that my therapist gave me Oh, that's really fair advice. That is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give to your younger self, knowing what you know now? Oh, golly. <laughs> I, I would give that same advice. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah.
Okay, and my last question for you, I would like to end with this. Do you have anything else to add? For anyone listening, what do you think is an important takeaway? Oh golly, an important takeaway. Um, E-commerce SEO is great. <laughs> have fun out there. Um, <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Um, I think, I think um, do what you want. Be confident in doing what you want. Um, and forget you've ever had imposter syndrome and just go for go for it. Go for what you want. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> Great. Well, I will walk away with that advice as well. Thank you, Emma. Thanks. It's been so Dude, nice chatting I with you. I will too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to join us today. Of course. Thank you very much again for having me. Thanks again to all of you who are listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of our podcast. And if so, please don't hesitate to follow us. If you'd like, you can also rate and review the show to help other listeners find us. Thanks again to Emma, and until next time, happy crawling.